0: Hello and welcome to Under the Skin from Luminary. This week I spoke with Dr. Gabor Mate. Gabor is a Hungarian Canadian physician. His practice specializes in childhood development and trauma and their potential lifelong impacts on physical and mental health, including addiction. He's a Jewish survivor of the Holocaust. Both his maternal grandparents were killed in Auschwitz when he was five months old. His new book, The Myth of Normal Illness and Health is an Insane Culture, is coming out February in february next week (laughs) jen february's not next week anyway you can get a subscription to luminary for as little as two dollars 99 a month with their annual plan plus a seven day free trial to get started now this excerpt we've included is pretty challenging as we've just said like gabor is a holocaust survivor he talks here about his views on the current conflict in israel and uh he's position on the history of that conflict and it's one of the most moving and beautiful things i've ever heard have a listen to it now go over to luminary for the rest of our discussion luminarypodcasts.com and there's a free trial for a week so that's pretty cool isn't it trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not a successful route yes that's 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 exactly right we're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss doesn't look like an ideology What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand Under the Skin. I was wanted to ask, Gabble, given what's happening, um, sort of currently, at least in the Middle East and perennially, I suppose it's safe to say, and that you, in case people don't know, are a Holocaust survivor and a, a, a Jew. I wonder. Um, what your particular? I, I, can I give you this context? I had a conversation with a very sort of prominent and very articulate and a brilliant uh, Israel supporting American political commentator, and when like well, I was talking to him about the subjects in Israel currently, these are the th- points I ran by him that I think like I would really like some sort of guidance and insight on if you would be kind enough to educate me. Well, here they are, because uh, as usual with me, you know, I offer you a tundra of information and then expect you to pick out individual snowflakes and weather systems. But here, here is overall what he said. Israel is uniquely critiqued in global politics as a result of anti-Semitism and is held to a standard that other states aren't, that any state that was attacked in the way that Israel is would respond in a comparable manner, perhaps more aggressively. That's one thing he said. Two, that Hamas as a political organisation will settle for nothing less than the absolute annihilation of the state of Israel and they are the dominant political force. That is the stated aim of the Palestinian project three religious jews that are anti-israel stance are a very particular israeli sect and they oppose israel in a more sort of general well in a specific way but also in a general way not in particular regard to the conflict in gaza and four jews say like you know chomsky or a thousand um jewish intellectuals that oppose israel's current actions are not practicing Jews and therefore you can't really inc- include their opinion. Help me.
1: Thank you, thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak about this, because this is one of the issues that's closest to my heart, and it has been for a long time. So you know my history, I don't have to repeat it, but I'm, a, I'm personally a Holocaust survivor as an infant. Um, I barely survived. My, my, my grandparents were killed in Auschwitz, and uh, most of my extended family was killed. Um, that's my personal background. I grew up ashamed of my Jewishness. In, uh, in Hungary, after the war, I was still bullied for being Jewish. And I remember one of my friends coming to my rescue once, saying, leave him alone It's not his fault that he's Jewish. It's a fault, but it's not his fault. This was the defense. So I grew up with that. My grandfather, who a physician and an author, by the way, who died in Auschwitz, was a good friend of Vladimir Jabotinsky, who was one of the major Zionist leaders, and the founder of the party that became Likud, the current government of Israel. So that's my family, and he was a. So this is my background. In my teenage years in Canada, I became a Zionist. This dream of the Jewish people resurrected in their historical homeland and the barbed wire of Auschwitz being replaced by the boundaries of a, of a Jewish state with a powerful army. I, I found it liberating. It was exhilarating to believe in that dream. And I absorbed all, the, all that perspective, and all that point of view, and I really believed in it. And then I found out that it wasn't exactly like that. That in order to make this Jewish dream a reality, we had to visit a nightmare on the local population. You couldn't. There was a Zionist slogan called uh, um, "a land without a people for a people without a land," but there was no people with. There was no land without a people. There was people living there who'd been living there for hundreds and years, or even longer. As a matter of fact, if you want to hear something really interesting, and David Ben-Gurion, who was the first Prime Minister of Israel, actually subscribed to this, he said this, who are the Palestinians? Because the Jews in uh, Roman times, never all all of them never left Palestine. Many of them stayed there. And some of them, hundreds hundreds of years later, converted to Islam. So guess who the Palestinians are? In some ways, they might be descendants of ancient Jews. They are cousins to say the least, no matter how you look at it. And and there's no way you could have ever created uh, a Jewish state without uh, oppressing and uh, expelling the local population, which is what they did in 1947, beginning in 1947, and first of all with the British Empire protection, you know, but they did this and then in 1948 Israeli historians, Israeli historians, Jewish Israeli historians have shown without a doubt that the explosion of the Palestinians was persistent It was pervasive. It was cruel. It was murderous And with deliberate attempt So that's what's called the Nakba in Arabic, the disaster or the catastrophe. Now in Israel, now in Canada, there's a law that you cannot deny the Holocaust. I don't believe in such laws, by the way. But in Israel, you're not allowed to mention the Nakba, even though it was at the very basis of the foundation of the state. So once I became aware of all this, I was. Okay, well, yeah, we created this beautiful dream, but we imposed a nightmare on somebody else. And then I visited the occupied territories, Russell, during the first intifada. I cried every day for two weeks at what I saw. The brutality of the occupation, the petty harassment, the murderousness of it, the burning down of Palestinian, or cutting down of Palestinian olive groves, the denial of water rights, the humiliations. And this went on, and it's much worse now than it was then. So this is the background. And it couldn't have been in any other way. Because again, you couldn't have created that exclusive Jewish state without oppressing or expelling the local population. It's the, long, it's the longest ethnic cleansing operation in the 20th and 21st centuries. It's still going on. And who are these people in Gaza? Now you have to go to Gaza. You have to go there to really appreciate it. It's a small area where there are these hundreds, multiple hundreds of thousands of people. Who are those people? The direct children or grandchildren of the people that are expressed from Israel of what is now Israel. Now, here's the outrage. And I'd like you, your Zionist friend in the States to tell me this. I, as a Jew, I could land in Tel Aviv tomorrow and demand citizenship under the right, law of the right of return. But my Palestinian friend in Vancouver, Hannah Kawas, who was born in Jerusalem, can't even visit. Now, if I have the right of return after 2000 years, if that history is even the way it is, which is itself questionable, but let's assume that it is. If I have the right to return after 2000 years, how come Hana hasn't got the right to return after 70 years? So what sense does any, now, so who, are, who is Gaza? This desperate, blockaded, uh, let me stop again. Am I talking too long about this? I'm sorry, I just, this is so important to me and I know so much about it that I, I don't even know where to stop.
0: No, carry on, Gabor, please.
1: So then you have these miserable people packed into this horrible outdoor concentration camp called Gaza. People call it the world's largest outdoor prison, which is what it is. Incredible poverty, 50% unemployment. Now, Hamas is an Islamic organization that was originally encouraged by Israel and supported by Israel as a counterweight to the secular Palestine Liberation Organization, which Israel didn't want to deal with. And given those conditions, of course people will go for extremist leadership. That's what people do when they're miserable and hopeless and deprived of any possibility whatsoever. You don't have to support Hamas policies to stand up for Palestinian rights. That's a complete falsity, but there were free elections in Gaza, monitored by international community. They were declared to be the freest elections ever held in the, in the Arab world, and Hamas happened to win. And when Hamas won that election, Israel and the United States immediately organized their military coup against them, which Hamas defeated, for which the punishment was this blockade that deprives Hamas of, not Hamas, but Gaza, of food, of medical supplies, of sufficient water. I could go on and on and on and on. And then you have this conflict. And then every time there's a conflict, Israel mows the lawn. That's the expression they use. You know what they call it? They call it mowing the lawn, by which they mean the mass murder of Palestinian civilians. is it true that, that the Gazans shoot rockets into Israel, killing innocent civilians? Yes, it is. Do I support that? No, I don't. But when it comes to the death of innocent civilians, Israel killed 20,000 Lebanese civilians in 1982 using illegal weapons like cluster bombs in a war that ignores justification whatsoever. I could go on and on and on and on. Except I'll say that the disproportion of power and responsibility and oppression is so markedly on one side that you take the worst thing you can say about Hamas multiplied by a thousand times and it still will not meet the Israeli repression and killing and dispossession of Palestinians. Now that's my view of it. Now as to this argument that... um, We're not a practicing Jew. Your friend can come and visit my family where we have Passover every year with our families. And we we talk about how the liberation of the Jews from Egypt cannot just be a Jewish symbol. It has to be an international symbol. If we can, if after 2000 years, we can look for liberation and freedom, why can't the Palestinians? So, it, it, so f- for him to confuse Zionism with Judaism is a big disservice. It's a big disservice. And to argue, because it's not true, and, because there were Jews all along, right from the beginning. You know, there was, there was a Hebrew, um, a Jewish philosopher and writer, called Ahara Am, who in 1895 said, that if we continue to treat the Arabs like this, he says, we're going to have disaster. He said it's in 1895. So there was Jews all along. So for him to conflate Judaism and Jewishness with Zionism is absolutely false. And for him to say that Jews who oppose Israel are not Jews is a slander. And for him to say that anybody who criticizes Israel is an anti-Semite is simply an egregious attempt to intimidate good non-Jews who are willing to stand up for what is true. And as for the final argument, that Israel is subjected to standards that other people are not, it's the other way around. It's the other way around. If you look at the Western press, when Hong Kong demonstrators throw stones at the police in Hong Kong, that's considered to be heroism in the American press. When in Myanmar, the demonstrators throw slingshots at the army, at the oppressive army, they're considered to be heroes in the Western press. When Palestinian kids throw stones at the Israeli soldiers, they're called terrorists. And uh, Israel gets away with a lot more without much less criticism in the Western press than any other country. Um, I'll say one more thing. I was recently contacted by a Palestinian woman from Jericho. She runs a program for Palestinian children who spend time in Israeli jails. 14, 15, 16-year-olds are jailed for months or years. Sometimes they can't see their families for months. And she, and she runs a program for them. You know what she does? She meditates with them. She does Sufi, Sufi dervish dancing with them, swirling dancing to bring them out of their stress days, She says, we don't have post-traumatic stress disorder here because the trauma is never post. The trauma is daily, she said. I just wish your Zionist friend would visit the occupied territories in Gaza like I have and let him speak the way he speaks now. He's got any ounce of humanity left. He would cry like I did for two weeks when I was there. Did I speak enough on that?
0: gabor that was very very powerful and very very beautiful and we will um okay so if you want to listen to the rest of that go over to luminary and subscribe little is 2.99 a month with their annual plan there's loads of good content on there dave chappelle's on there lena dunham's on there trevor noah's on there there's about 100 episodes of under the skin and it's 2.99 a month with the annual plan if you can afford it you should go get it